Good morning. It is 8.30 on Tuesday, June 20th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, meteorologists explain Mississippi's week of severe weather. Then emergency responders warn heat illness can be deadly and to take precautions during storm recovery. Plus, one of Mississippi's public service commissioners is calling for faster repairs to restore power to thousands of residents. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. wave of severe thunderstorms and tornadoes have swept across Mississippi almost every day over the past week. On Friday, one person died when a tree fell on his home due to high, gusty winds. Sunday, another person was killed as a result of a tornado in Lewin in Jasper County. Our Lacey Alexander speaks with Eric Carpenter. He is senior meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Jackson. He says it's not uncommon. Well, it's not common to have this many severe storms during this time of the year. We had an unusually strong jet stream settle over the area. Um, And I say that because usually the the stronger jet stream is usually going to be in our area, say, more like in the early to middle portion of the spring. And that's often when we get our peak um, tornado threats during that time. Well, this this jet stream was unusually active over the past week, and uh, not only was it active, but it was very persistent, lasting really, it's really been kind of in our area for over a week now. And because of the strong jet stream, it supplied us with a steady stream of uh, weather disturbances, and it's also maintained a very active uh, frontal boundary over the area, and at the same time, um, it's created a favorable environment for severe weather because it's um, increased the uh, what we call wind shear, which is something that's an ingredient, an important ingredient for severe weather events. And so you take that, okay, and then you combine that with the normal uh, heat and instability that we we get in June when we're talking summer heat and that makes for a very unstable air mass. You combine those ingredients, and uh, yeah, it gives you what we've, we've had here for the last week plus, which is um, numerous uh, severe weather and heavy rain events that have created favorable environments for uh, tornadoes, damaging winds, and uh, very large hail. Um, that's, that's been something that's been especially unusual as well. Can you briefly educate us on, in the most basic terms possible, what a jet stream is? Yeah, jet stream, it's a band of stronger winds aloft. And it got the term jet stream because, or as people have started flying over the last 100 plus years, these winds were encountered uh, when, so the, the term jet stream is just tags along with a jet, uh, say 30, 35,000 feet up. Um, at that level, we have very strong winds that were uh, that were observed, and the term jet stream stuck with that. Now, having said that, the jet stream is not steady state. It can go a little more to the north, a little more to the south. For here in Mississippi, when the jet stream is more to the south, that's when we tend to get our most frequent weather systems. Uh, so like when you have your typical cold frontal passage in the winter, the jet stream is likely 
tied with that. The area I'm in currently, we're still under a flood warning, so clearly we're not out of the woods quite yet. What should Mississippians prepare for in the next coming days? Is this jet stream still going to affect our state? Well, fortunately, the jet stream is actually going to be shifting away from us. So this time of the year, usually it's affecting, and that's what it's going to be doing here the next few days. We should see our more typical air mass over the area, which will still have some, you know, some heat and instability, which could lead to the afternoon showers and storms that we would typically see in June, but nothing that's nearly as organized or intense as what we've been experiencing. Um, now, having said that, we've, we've had a lot of rainfall here recently. The very heavy rainfall has led to some uh, river flooding. So we're going to continue some flood warnings uh, associated with the river flooding. But as far as, um, say, like the flash flooding associated with thunderstorms and that kind of thing, it's going to tail off here pretty quickly in the next couple of days. Um, We do still have some severe weather threat and some heavy rain threat across mainly uh, southern portions of Mississippi. But that overall will be kind of trending downward. And Eric, I know you're a meteorologist and not an electrician, but we did see a lot of power outages over the weekend. Should Mississippians prepare to continue to struggle with power outages, or do you see this forecasted weather as something that won't affect that? I think the weather that we're expecting here this this coming week will be less likely to produce power outages. Um, We definitely keep up with those kind of things here. Um, We want to know when the weather's producing a lot of impacts. Power outages are certainly one of the bigger impacts that we uh, face here in Mississippi when it comes to severe weather. It looks like uh, going forward, I don't see the weather producing any more than maybe some sporadic uh, power outages at most. And especially, you know, something that might occur when you have like a, a strong afternoon storm that has a, has a good bit of lightning um, that could knock somebody's power out locally. The widespread power power outages and things like that that we've experienced in the last week plus, we don't expect uh, to see that, fortunately, going forward here. Eric, one last question for you, just slightly off topic. Hopefully we don't have to worry about it for a while, but there are some hurricanes brewing. They've already named one, I believe. Should Mississippians prepare to see any kind of consequence from those hurricanes anytime soon? We're in the hurricane season. The the things that are out there right now, I would suggest Mississippians uh, definitely kind of keep an eye on it. It's going to take a pretty good while before it comes close to potentially even, you know, threatening land area here in the uh, continental U.S., and especially for the Gulf Coast. I would tell folks to just kind of keep an eye on it, and we're we're certainly doing that, monitor our, our weather forecasts and outlooks, um, we'll definitely keep people posted, but also the Hurricane Center's uh, website is a good good place to kind of keep an idea of what, what's going on in the tropics. Uh, you know, something else I would suggest maybe is folks kind of think about what they would, you know, what's their plan of action if they, if it happens that a uh, hurricane starts approaching us this summer. Kind of, you know, just try to be prepared for that. And we, we encourage people to have preparedness kits. Think about where you might go if you're if you're asked to, to leave your area and evacuate for a storm, especially the folks who are down closer to the coast, of course. Eric Carpenter is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Jackson.
Coming up, emergency responders are reminding folks to drink lots of fluids, especially water, when out in the summer heat. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. MPB Think Radio. Whatever your taste, news, music, storytelling, or how-to shows. Whatever your city, Gulfport, Hernando, Meridian, Greenville. However you want. Radio. Smart speaker. Smartphone app. MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. During the summer, one of the most common illnesses can be caused by the sun. Heat exhaustion, dehydration, and heat stroke can be deadly if not treated, and these illnesses can happen fast. We speak with Jim Pollard, spokesperson with the Ambulance Service AMR, about the dangers of heat-related illnesses and how Mississippians can protect themselves. Hot weather can cripple and kill. Heat, hot weather, kills more folks worldwide than any other weather phenomenon regardless of uh, how physically fit you are. Uh, Now, some folks, such as construction workers, they develop uh, a tolerance uh, for higher temperatures. Uh, They acclimate themselves. Uh, They're working when it's cooler, and then progressively they're still working as it gets warmer and warmer. But you'll notice that even those folks will start to work very early, and they'll quit fairly early in the day. They take plenty of breaks, and they drink lots of water, even when you're not exerting yourself. Um, Again, it depends how quickly you can develop heat illness, uh, whether it's heat exhaustion or heat stroke, depends in good part on your overall physical condition. There are uh, about four or five groups that are at greater risk of suffering uh, heat illness. Uh, That would include the very young, uh, infants, children up to about four. Uh, For example, um, elders, uh, folks who are substance abusers, uh, and then obese folks as well, and chronically ill individuals are also a, a higher risk group for heat illness. Should children, should sports players be practicing having scrimmages or whatever when it's hot? I feel that coaches um, at just about all levels uh, for, say, football, Uh, or other sports, I think they are very well attuned to making sure the players take in plenty of fluids and that they gradually lengthen the practices. Again, we're getting back to that acclimating the the players uh, and the coaches have to look out for themselves as well. When should you realize something is going on with your body? Related to heat. Let's talk about two uh, heat illness conditions. Uh, An early symptom of heat exhaustion is uh, feeling lightheaded or dizzy. Uh, It can also come with uh, a sense of irritability. Heat exhaustion includes heavy sweating. That's one of the hallmarks of, of heat exhaustion. Typically, you have cool clammy, and depending upon the individual's complexion, pale skin, uh, heat exhaustion can bring on headache, nausea, weak pulse, rapid but shallow breathing. The body temperature in heat exhaustion is usually uh, normal or only slightly elevated. Now, if not recognized and treated pretty quickly, heat exhaustion can deteriorate to the life-threatening form of heat illness, heat stroke. Uh, And the key differentiator between heat exhaustion and heat stroke is high body temperature and often you will see that uh, the skin is hot 
dry for most folks, sometimes red or mottled skin, uh, deep breathing followed by shallow breathing. These are all some symptoms, dilated pupils. You're pretty well attuned to the fact that something isn't going on right with me. We do lose folks in Mississippi each year uh, due to heat stroke. And on the other hand, folks ought to be observing each other when they're out in the heat to make sure that someone doesn't begin to exhibit these these symptoms due unto others. Watch out for each other. Uh, you can typically help someone sufficiently with heat exhaustion uh, with first aid from a bystander or family member, co-worker, and so on. Uh, certainly, you want to call 911 if, if you have any doubt whatsoever about whether a paramedic should examine and treat the patient. And if you see any of those symptoms of heat stroke that I mentioned, absolutely call 911 immediately. First aid for heat exhaustion, move the person to a nearby cooler place, at least under a tree with some ventilation. Have the person lie down, elevate the feet about 12 inches, loosen the clothing, fan the victim, even with, say, just a a cardboard, uh, a sheet of cardboard. Uh, Now, if and only if the individual is fully alert, uh, you can give sips of water, massage any muscle cramps. That's another symptom of heat exhaustion. Watch the patient closely because, again, heat exhaustion can pretty quickly deteriorate into heat stroke. If you're in a situation where you can uh, put a cold compress on their head or something? Yes, absolutely administer cooling techniques if you suspect heat stroke. Now, heat stroke, again, is the potentially life-threatening form of heat illness. And you want to move the victim from the source of heat right away, cool him or her immediately. Uh, you see, the body loses heat about 25 times faster in water than it does in in the air. Uh, so you could give the individual a cool, not cold, a cool or lukewarm bath. Mm-hmm. Make sure you don't put the the head underwater by any means. Uh, or you can put, as you said, uh, some cool wet cloths on the body. You can do this for heat exhaustion as well. There's certainly no harm in that. Uh, and it may indeed help prevent deterioration from heat exhaustion to heat stroke. Remember, don't cool a heat exhaustion or heat stroke victim to the point of shivering because what's the purpose of shivering? It's to retain heat in the body. So you want to make sure that your cloths aren't ice cold. Now, you can use ice and you should use ice for the heat stroke victim in the following fashion. You can use commercially available cold packs or you can create your own cold packs with some Ziploc bags, for example, or wrapping some ice in, say, a dishcloth. Never put ice directly on the patient's skin. Make sure someone is monitoring that patient for any difficulty with breathing, follow the call taker's instructions when you call 911 because emergency medical dispatchers are trained to coach the caller on what to do and what oh, that's not good. on what to do and what not to do for the patient until the ambulance arrives. Jim Pollard is with the Ambulance Service, AMR. He is also reminding Mississippians to never leave a pet or a child in a parked car for any amount of time. Coming up, thousands of Mississippians still don't have electricity as crews respond to outages caused by the recent severe storms. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. (laughs) 
I'm Richard Gershon, the host of In Legal Terms and a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law. If you miss a live In Legal Terms episode, find our podcast, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Hundreds of line workers have been activated across Mississippi to assist with the large number of outages caused by the recent severe storms. At its peak this weekend, outages exceeded 200,000 across the state. Now those numbers have been reduced to less than or around 20,000 or so. But a public service commissioner says more needs to be done. Cooling shelters have been activated in some parts of the state where people can go to get some relief from the heat. Our Lacey Alexander speaks with Brent Bailey, Public Service Commissioner for Mississippi's Central District. This has certainly been is an unprecedented series of events and storms. You know, that, that's certainly uh, to be evaluated, debated, and reviewed. But the extensive number of outages have certainly created a lot of hardship concern and frustration with customers. And our office has been hearing from those customers all around the Central District, including the the greater metro area and counties all the way from Alabama to Louisiana, a large part of the Delta, river counties, etc. And the frustration is really from lack of understanding and expectation of when power can be restored. And the estimation, the restoration estimation function of Intergy's website is not um, up and moving at this time. And that creates a lot of uncertainty for customers. And it tends to have the, an adverse impact on the confidence in their facility, on their, on their utility, their service provider, and the quality of service they're receiving. While there are certainly other range of issues and concerns that we've expressed, that certainly is the foremost uh, frustration that we hear from customers. Yes, many of them are, are under, you know, we're seeing um, high temperatures, high humidity. Um, the lack of power is impacting the ability for folks to stay cool, to keep their food and medicine medicines fresh and from spoiling, access to hot water, um, access to a lot of other services that you know, we come to expect in today's modern society. And when you go days without access to modern services, frustration really begins to boil over. And that's what we're hearing from customers today. For these Mississippians without power that are having to go without AC or without their, you know, units in these crazy heat numbers, what what does that mean for them? And what does that mean to you as a commissioner? It's certainly going to be physical and mental hardship, um, no doubt about it. We hope that they are able to find a cooling center, whether it's offered by a local town, municipality, community center um, that does have power, you know, that they can provide a safe haven and a cooling spot for those individuals. We know it's it's been several days now for many people. And, and we're not sure how much longer it will be until every last citizen of Mississippi and customer has their power restored. And it's that uncertainty, again, that, that's leading to the levels of frustration and the vocal response that we're hearing from customers in our office. 
Are you guys mostly hearing complaints from Jacksonians, or are you hearing these complaints from people all over the central area? All over the central area. And and understanding, kind of keep up with what the numbers look like on the outage numbers. As of yesterday, Central Electric, they were down to about 700 outages. This morning, they were bumping on 8,000. And that just shows the how fast and how severe and how quickly these storms can move in, move out, and the damage and destruction they leave behind and what that means for those utilities that are scrambling to provide the personnel and the resources and materials to get power restored in a timely manner. Um, and we're, we've seen this happen through many utilities that serve the central district, and, and they're all dealing with the same challenges. And we're not just seeing these outages in Mississippi. That There's over 200,000 without power in Oklahoma, almost 100,000 without power in Texas and tens of thousands without power in Arkansas, in Louisiana, in Alabama, in Tennessee. Everybody's fighting over the same contractors and subcontractors come in to help them restore as quickly as possible. And we understand that challenge there. Uh, but at the same time, we also understand the frustrations in, in, in hearing those from our central district constituents. And we want to help get them the information and provide that information they need to have an understanding. But also, if we can help shake loose some of the things that are going on to provide that additional information uh, more locally, uh, granular, to rebuild that customer confidence in their utility and have a greater understanding of when that utility resource, that utility service, in this case electricity, will be restored to their home or business. And, Commissioner, when you released this, did you get any kind of response from Entergy or their leaders? I have not. No, ma'am. We're certainly not in out of the woods yet. It is hurricane season. There are hurricanes brewing. Um, one's already been named. We will more than likely see a storm, maybe not of this caliber, but close to this caliber again before the end of the summer. What do you hope Entergy does better the next time something like this occurs? So you're right. Uh, you know, we, we, June, June 1 was the start of hurricane season. Hurricane forecasters predicting a fairly normal, whatever normal looks like nowadays, very within the line, very much within the line, but within seeing the last few years. Um, and all it takes is one storm to upend a life. And we know that we're always being on a, a coastal state. We're always on kind of pins and needles and watching the Atlantic and the Gulf and and trying to determine what the, where is that next storm threat coming from. This has been a little different over the last week as these storms seem to pop up out of nowhere and intensify rather quickly and move across broad areas, leaving behind a lot of destruction. And it does present a challenge for those forecasters, and I, I get that, in how to stage and place personnel. With hurricanes, you typically have a five- to seven-day window of preparation. And But perhaps through these latest round of storms, we're going to learn more through the weather forecasters, through the personnel forecasters, um, and what that damage forecast potentially looked like and how to have a better response process going forward. Brent Bailey is Mississippi's Central District Public Service Commissioner. And this morning we have received a statement from Entergy spokesperson Candace Coleman Part of it reads, as long as Entergy Mississippi has customers without power from this relentless series of strong storms over the last week, 
The only focus of our 2,300-person workforce is restoring their power as quickly and safely as possible. We have been updating the Mississippi Public Service Commission and staff on our restoration efforts and will continue to do so. And it says our team members always put safety first and prioritize customers' needs. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.